Welcome to Season 2 of F-Sides, the annoyingly award-lacking number one cybersecurity podcast according to Muscle Car Poetry Magazine and the most money-losing, not-for-profit venture this side of starting an airline. Yeah, and instead of the typical reading off of a list of breaches or talking about shunning technology, we try to focus on the human side of things. <laughs> Jason likes when I say human like a robot. Uh, no, I, like you keep misinterpreting it. I do not. <laughs> well, I feel like you do. Uh, but we, we like to focus on leadership, communications, human behavior, and stuff that moves the elephant. And today we have a very special two-elephant episode. Two elephants. That's better two than one. So That's tell today. me more. Tell me more. Today, today's episode is titled Crisis on Infinite Podcasts, the crossover episode. You're that sounds like a movie. It's, it's actually a DC Comics Arrowverse reference, Crisis on Infinite Earths. If you're a comic wow. book nerd or television Arrowverse nerd, you would get the reference. But basically, today, we are crossing the streams. That's another obscure reference for Ghostbusters. We are crossing the streams. We're actually joining forces with a special dual podcast episode today. Yes, um, from what I understand, we are connecting up with the ThreadX podcast um, that's hosted by Gene Frey. Right. I really hope you under. From what I understand, I hope we understand that because we were both on the same call. Yeah, and if I, but yeah, I'll have to figure out how to say that better for our next time we do a crossover. This is the first time, so it's it's butterflies. This is we're learning. Uh, it's actually a really exciting podcast. The podcast that we're crossing over with. <laughs> now I feel like I'm just a Jordan dude that crosses over to uh, Afterlife. We're crossing over. Wow, the, you're really going deep on all the... I am. There's uh, the... so many obscure references for crossing over. <laughs> We're crossing over with what's called the ThreadX Podcast. And the ThreadX Podcast is hosted by Gene Frey, like Paul mentioned. And it's a podcast that features stuff that we're really really engaged about. It features conversations with CISOs and other cybersecurity leaders on how people can enter into security and grow careers within security. Yeah, I like this new approach of um, crossover podcasts. It's good to see how real pros do their podcasts as we, right, as we yeah. continue so, to develop ours. <laughs> they will lead us by example, I hope. Yes. Um, we're going to be talking in this podcast episode, Crossover, we talk all things career and cyber, from certifications to college degrees to that vicious circle of you can't get into the field without experience, but how are you supposed to get the experience if you have none and you need it to get into the field? Yeah, and this is an area that I personally care deeply about. Um, you know, we need more diversity and more new people with varied backgrounds in the security field because the attackers have varied experience and varied backgrounds. And the only way to do that is to remove some of the artificial barriers, like such as requiring more experience than is needed for entry-level jobs and so forth. So this is I, I really care about some of the things Gene's going to be talking about. Awesome. I'm excited. Let's well, roll the tape. Wait, tape? Sorry. It took me a second there. No one uses tape anymore, Jason. That's right. That's a bit analog. Okay, well, let's <laughs> let's make it so. Let's hit it. Let's roll camera. Let's do this. Gene, glad to have you on our show from ThreadX, man. Really good well, to see you. And, and welcome to the Executive Security Podcast. So uh, this is a first for, for, I think, both of us. A little crossover. Yeah, I know. It's a competing podcast, but we're we're not really competing. We're working together. Crossover episodes. This is like the DC Flash. What is it? Batgirl, Flash, Superwoman. And there's one more. Green Arrow. This is the ultimate crossover of crossovers in the multiverse. Uh, 
Well, yeah, Paul's, super excited. Paul's shaking his head. He doesn't know how to spell multiverse. Well, it's all the obscure characters. He didn't say anybody I recognized. So, I mean, I was expecting a character that made sense, but okay. It's the DC it's, Universe, it's man. It's a good show nonetheless, Whether regardless if it's a crossover. It's going to be an interesting conversation. So. It's going to be a great show. Gene, what are we talking about today? So, uh, we did. Uh, I know sometimes people uh, find it funny that we do actually prep for these things. So, uh, in our prep, we had a, a lot of uh, debate on different topics uh but the one that seemed to really uh get some real interest amongst the three of us is the age-old question um do you need a college education but more specifically do you need a college education to get into cybersecurity? and uh so we thought that would be a good topic especially for uh, the threadx uh, i should say for the executive security podcast uh we talked to a lot of people or talk about uh, a lot of uh kind of people that are thinking about getting into uh, the whole industry and what what it takes to get into the industry. So uh, I think it was a, a topic that we all had some different points of view. I, I thought we'd kind of kick it off and see what people think. Yeah, this is a great timing for us too. Earlier in our season two, we spoke with um, a recruiter, James Warren, probably one of the best recruiters I've ever worked with out there. And honestly, worked with is not the right term, but one of the best recruiters that I know. So we just came off uh, hot off an episode where we talked about getting your foot in the door in cybersecurity and gave some really good tips. So this is great timing. And yeah, I've, I've got some strong opinions about this. And they're probably Jason, not going to be not going to be <laughs> popular, on. but I've got some strong opinions. <laughs> So who wants to begin? Let's lay some uh, some lines in the sand. I'll revert to my childhood and go, not it. <laughs> I'll, I'll start off. All right, um, I think we all have, the, on this podcast, we all have degrees of some type. So we are coming with a specific perspective, right? But I think we're going to have you know different opinions at the ultimate goal. But um, for me, when I first started my career um, right out of the Marine Corps, um, I, I only had an associate's degree and, um, luckily someone gave me a chance and it worked out very well for me. But, you know, I always look back at that as like, if somebody didn't give me the chance just because I didn't have some qualification on paper, would I, would I have kept pursuing the thing? So, you know, I, while I have a degree, I, I look at people's desire, um, because if they have, you know, all the fancy degrees and, and so forth, but no desire to, um, constantly learn, um, that to me is is the really important part about security because security is such a uh, is a field that every you have to constantly learn and keep updated and you know learn new skills that you know college gives you opens the door for that but it's not necessarily the only route to go into that constant lifelong learning mode. Yeah, I guess uh, I'll, I'll go second. Uh, for, from my perspective, I uh, come from a blue collar upbringing. Uh, my my father didn't go to college. Uh, my mom did, but not until much later in life. Uh, but I was kind of grew, just grew up in the environment that you were just expected to go to college. And all four of my, my th- three siblings and I all went to college. Uh, four of us have advanced degrees. And it was just kind of the, the, the gateway to the next, uh, pro, you know, the next, uh, I guess, American dream, if that's what you want to call it. Um, and so I've always been of that mindset and, uh, and, and have a hiring bias to it, uh, up until I've been in cybersecurity for 17 years and, and brought that hiring bias, uh, to, um, just expecting that we don't interview people unless they have a college education. Um, but I'd say the last four years has definitely opened me up to, to being more, 
uh, more as Paul said, you know, thinking about people's work ethics and 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 being learned uh, because of the dy dynamic nature of cybersecurity. Um, but it, it's only more recently that I've been even open to that. Yeah, um, my, my take on that, uh, you don't need one, but you absolutely should have one and you should mm -hmm. want one. You should want to be the best at what you do. You should be the cream of the crop. You should give yourself every competitive advantage to getting that job or getting that position or getting that role and being the best in what you can do. And I absolutely believe that comes with having a college degree. Well, but the question was, do you need it, right? Now, you're just describing self-improvement. No, I right? mean, like, I, I, don't, I, I, I don't need I to know to hammer nails as a carpenter. You know, I can figure it out on the job. I can learn. No, it's you well, don't college, need college it. College doesn't teach you how college, the, the way I look at college, and, you know, I got my master's in network security, so it was very focused on security. It didn't teach me how to be a good security person. It taught me concepts and you know how to think about a problem but not necessarily the specifics of and it taught you security. critical thinking skills it taught you english english it taught you math it taught you <laughs> science it taught you history yeah. all these other things that we yeah. seem to lose that we go oh all i need to know is security I'm so tired of having security engineers on my teams or working for me. Well, actually, I don't have any of these. Seeing security engineers out there that can't spell their way out of a paper bag or can't put a grammatical thought together in a communication to me as a leader or to the rest of the team. And it's so frustrating because it's that it's that focus on just tech. I only need to know to code. I only need to know security, but not this other well-rounded part of education that gives us those critical thinking skills and communicate such needed communication skills and business skills. Well, but that's a, that's a different conversation, right? Like, okay. So to get started in the field, I guess that's an important part. If you want to get started in the field, do you really, you obviously need to know how to communicate effectively, right? That's, that's a given. Um, do you need to know how to write a thesis on something? No, right? So giving people the opportunity to break into the field and, hey, okay, you may not have the traditional background, but, you know, we, we need a security operations center analyst. Come on in and we'll, we'll teach you and you can grow with us, right? I, that's, you know, having a gateway of, of a college degree as a requirement versus a nice to have, I think, is where we limit ourselves to a lot of really interesting people. I Like one of the smartest people I've met um, in security had no degree, didn't even have a high school diploma, but was incredibly smart and very, very had a strong desire to learn and did great. Right. You know, I think about it in terms of some of the things that Jason had mentioned. When I when I think about the college experience, and and I'm thinking about a uh, somebody coming out of the military going into college into a four year program, or somebody going directly into a four year program. But I'm thinking about the the life skills that you learn, the you know communication, time management, um, moving away from home, you know, the kind of the, those types of things as as part of what helps you to then enter the workforce as a slightly more mature person with some level of of experience. Um, I think the from a from a do you need it? Um, I, I think it, it it definitely seemed to help. A lot of the people that that I've hired, uh, but again, as I, I, I uh, contradict myself, uh, some of the recent hires that we've made, even here at ThreadX, are people that didn't have a four-year degree, and they they've worked out phenomenal, and they've come in with a different set of life experiences. Like one of our podcasts, we interviewed uh, somebody who was a hairstylist uh, for twelve years, 
uh, and then uh, went on to do some um, do some programs that got her some exposure to get into a, a, a level one sock position. And then she moved her here, and she's she's awesome, phenomenal, and it's actually been one of our best podcasts. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that empathize with that that uh, that uh, career trajectory. Yeah, and with the cost of college, I mean, the cost of college just it makes it unattainable for some people, right? Like the only yeah. way, I, the only reason I got to go to college was because of the GI Bill, right? If I didn't, um, I may not be in the field. And you know, the life experience things that you say, Gene, it's like you know, I didn't go to person. So I'm using personal experience. I didn't go to um, a traditional college. I did all mine after school because or after work because I had two kids and working full time. And yeah. you know, I didn't need the you know be crammed into dorm rooms to learn life skills. So, I mean, again, I, that's why I always, I try to be empathetic to people's, you know, what they bring to it and their desire and their capabilities versus, you know, the piece of paper. Sorry, Jason, you wanted to add something to that? No, you're going to, you're going to, I want to go key. It's, you don't need it, but it's absolutely a great to have. I didn't have it. I didn't have a college degree when I got into tech. I didn't even have an AA degree. I had about two years of wasted junior college over an eight year period and got into technology through certifications. And it was great. It was awesome. And then I went back to college because I realized I wanted to be really good at what I do and be one of the best at what I do. And college can give you that. So no, you definitely don't need it to break in. And I don't hire based on that, especially for entry level. If entry level goes, you need a four-year degree and two years of experience. Like, he it's not entry level. We've all seen that, right? Entry level wow. and then like years of experience. I'm like, what yeah. are you talking about? It's a it's yeah. an entry level position. You don't need, well, you know, if you come out of a gamer, if you're a gamer that you're sold, you're hired. Like, you just have the drive and the initiative to, you can absolutely get your foot in the door that way. But to, if you really want to be really good at security, absolutely you should go for your college degree. After you're making money to pay for it. Well, I think the uh, one of the things that we've talked with some CISOs on some of the podcast is something that uh, you just hit on, Jason, which is the whole idea of do we create the problem ourselves? Because when we create these job racks for people that we're, we're looking for, we say, okay, hey, there aren't enough people in the industry. And then we create the job spec for an entry-level position, and we put those criteria, including college education and experience, do we sometimes just limit ourselves on that side? So Yes. You know, and here's here's what I see as part of the root of that problem, or at least how I think it's some of it has evolved, is there's this, I'm going to call it ego. It may not be, but I think it is. There's this ego of security, like that we're above and beyond tech. Like, so there's this idea that, and I've seen this, where you go, it's an entry-level SOC position, but they have to have, I need at least one to two years of help desk or one to two years of tech, some sort of technology. Then it's, then it's no longer entry-level. Like the idea is like, oh, you have to, you have to have been in the, in the industry in some way. And I call shenanigans. I think you absolutely can just start at SOC, just like you could start at help desk with just, you know, home computer experience or a class that you took. So, you know, and I think that was part of it is this idea that, well, we're security and you really need to understand stuff before you come in. I've had this conversation with previous managers of mine that are hiring entry level. I'm like, no, you don't. Just hire them. You know, do they have the drive? Do they have initiative? Do they want it? Yes. So hire them. Agreed. So, hey, let me let me throw in something to the fire then, then, um, because this is something I see constantly on social media sites is certifications. Right. So, you know, college makes sense because you have a, a wide array of different 
um, skill sets you're learning, like English or sciences. So it, it's just teaching you to be curious the way I looked at it and right, curious, interacting with other people, how to, how to apply learning and so forth. Certifications, on the other hand. Now, um, I'm not, I'll, I have an opinion, but I'm going to throw it to you two first. Do you see value in certification and do you see it as a necessity for certain types yes. of roles? In, in fact, for entry level, sorry, Gina, probably you're, you're up in this rotation. I was looking at How can I tell what you're looking at? You're looking at a camera. That's what I'm saying. I should have pointed it. <laughs> so, I should have said, Gene, it's your turn. Go ahead. In fact, <laughs> I would, for entry level, especially if you're looking to get in, where I said it's great to have a college degree, you should have it. If you're looking for a fast track, certification is the way to go because it speaks directly to the skill set that somebody's asking for in that entry level position. And it's a lot easier to get. Gene. <laughs> I guess, Jason, I, I'd love to, what specifically, like, what, what are the certifications that you think have value and what are the ones? Because oh. I think, again, for oh. our listeners, <laughs> A lot of this people, a good one. Don't, they don't even know what Black Hat is. It, you know, there, there's a lot of un, um, scammy sites out there, right, where mm -hmm. people just want to try to take money from these entry-level people. So I'd love to get your guys' perspectives of what are the ones that you think are, are worthwhile and you see value in. Uh, so because I, I, don't, I don't know that I, – I don't know how to differentiate them. You know, SANS would be the only one that I could probably – if I saw it, be able, I could easily identify with that one, but others, I don't know if I could. Paul, Jason, you, I'll take this? you start with that. No, he, oh, he said um, you specifically, so <laughs> I'll go after you. Go right. ahead. Um, yeah, SANS. I, I love SANS because I know the depth and the breadth of the courses. In fact, for me, if you've taken the course, is more important than the certification just because they're, they're so awesome. Uh, OSCP is a big one recently. So that's uh, offensive and that's probably one of the better than I would say CEH, throw it out. You can just, you know, take it with you with some light reading in the bathroom. <laughs> it's not <laughs> worth the paper it's printed on. Um, and then your standard CISM, CISA, and, and in a way, and this is getting a bad rap lately, but CISSP, I feel, is the bachelor's degree of security because it's so comprehensive and so about the entire security program, not just, you know, tech security. So I think that's another good one to have, too. Yeah, the, for starting out, if you're just interested in security for me, um, well, one, if, if you don't have if you don't have the money for some of these certifications, right, I, I will ask people about their um, capture the flag experience. Like, what did you do to try to learn security on your own? And if they can, you know, demonstrate, like, try hack me and things like that, you know, that that shows an interest. And, you know, you could teach the technical skills. But if somebody's looking at a certification because they think that'll make them more comfortable, because sometimes having a certification makes you feel more confident about yourself. Um, you know, if you're just starting out, I think security plus is very good to start out with. Um, and then from there, if you want to move into management and you want to understand the why behind security, CISSP is very good. Um, you know, I, I always looked at the CISA is, well, if you want to be a, in management, you need to understand audit principles. One, because it helps you be a good operations person, but you're also going to be working with um, auditors a lot. And it's good to understand why they do the things they do. So doing your CISA. Um, why do you know, auditors do? Wait, I'm segueing. Why do they do what they do? Because I don't understand actually, it. And well, I am I am CISA. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the approach that auditors take. And, you know, I, I actually, when I first, I mean, I use, so I use certifications personally to help me focus my um, training, right? Um, you know, it's good that you get a certification afterwards, but it helps me focus. So, for instance, the auditor one, um, you know, when I was being audited, when I first started my career, I was frustrated. It's like, why do they keep um, critiquing me? 
me? Why do they keep doing X and Y? I got my CSA. Not the certification wasn't the the interesting part. It was the learning up to getting that. And once I understood, I became great friends with a lot of auditors and so forth. So I mean, as you build your career, I mean, just because now I understand, like you wouldn't it, have been friends with him otherwise. Like, oh, I I now, have, now I'm auditor. friends with. I did have one auditor who I, I just I could not stand this person. It's like having first. a friend that works at the IRS. I have a friend yeah. that works at the IRS. Well, but once He's a I understand that it's an important good job, it's like okay, now I understand that you're not just a bad person. You actually have good reason for what you're doing and so forth. So, um, but now certifications, you know, it, it's I look at it as a good way to focus your energy um, and it shows that you have an interest in a field but I wouldn't depend on that either like you know we when I first started all those things were required you had to have a CISP you had to have a degree and so forth but you know there's there's a significant gap in the security field and I think that's because of the artificial gatekeeping that had occurred in the 90s and 2000s and so forth so I think we have to be more inclusive in our hiring and remove some of those barriers that we put into place, especially the ones that require some type of monetary entry point. Right. I yeah. mean, it's like, do you have to make it available to for free? Yeah. I, I think about it as, um, I, the certifications, I am a big fan of them. Um, but again, I, I have a, a more difficult time understanding the difference differences of them. So I would just encourage people that are thinking about doing the certificate route to really do their research. Don't just Google it and put your credit card down and then and, and realize you've spent you know, hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars on something that's worthless. Like reach out to people in the industry, get get some references so that you know that you're the things you're gonna have to go focus your time and energy on have value on, on the other side of it. Because uh, I, I just hate to see people get burned. There's too many scams going on in this whole freaking industry. Mm. Um, it just bums me out to hear people spending thousands of dollars on something that was turns out to be worthless. Can I counter that? We're talking about the spend that we're talking about is for training, not for yeah. the actual certification. The CISSP certification is six hundred dollars, which is a junior col- the price of a junior college course. Yeah. Okay. But you if know, you have no money, but hold on. Let's let's. I mean, we we. Now, if, you, if you're arguing that six hundred dollars is too much on. of a barrier to entrance and security, that for someone who has no money, absolutely. Up. Like someone getting straight out of college who is trying to find their first apartment, who doesn't have the financial resources, absolutely. I mean, six hundred dollars. Like people are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. And if you're trying to transition out of being, you know, a frontline service worker into the security field and the only the only thing stopping you that is six hundred dollars, that's a lot of money. Right. For a lot of people. So I don't think we should have it shouldn't be a requirement. We should have alternative methods for people to show their desire, like the free CTFs and the free training that's out there. Right. I mean, six hundred dollars is a lot of money to a lot of people. Yeah, I, I I agree it's a lot of money to a lot of people, but I don't believe it's a lot of money to someone who's a recent college graduate and that somehow they can find the 600 bucks over a period of a year of studying to put together for the test or get a grant or look f- local people that are going to, you know, you can find ways for that $600 cost. I don't believe that's a big enough barrier to entry to get a certification. I absolutely disagree. I, I, I think, I mean, any again, any monetary barrier of entry into a field to me, it, you're, you're, you're holding back people who may be the most amazing security person. Like, 
you know, because would you, I mean, if, if would you bet? Well, well a barrier to entry is that you don't have it. Another barrier to entry is no home internet. How do you get the job if you don't have home internet? If you don't have a home laptop, you don't have a good enough laptop to get into a CTF and you don't even have one that you can afford. You can't do exactly. a CTF. Right. So why are we, why would, I mean, there's other methods of doing it, right? Like if you have the desire and you showed, okay, I go to the library for, you know, an hour, you know, or two hours on the weekend and I've, I've done this on, you know, one of the free education sites. That should show that to me means a lot more than someone who just showed up because their parents could afford college and they just showed up to a class. To me, the person who took the time and did the extra steps, even even because I mean, even without the financial resources, that to me shows someone who's going to be a very hard worker, who's going to learn and who's probably going to be very amazing. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't think that that number is is statistically relevant. That there's a number of people that are saying that aren't doing it because it's six hundred bucks. I just uh, yeah, there, there are some, but I think it's such a a low percentage outlier. That so why are people not joining not this field? Entry. Why are people not joining this field? Right? It's not because of the six hundred dollars CISSP fee. I can tell no, you, that. you don't know that. <laughs> it's aware <laughs> awareness mystique. Th- those are the other things that you know. Mm-hmm. Thinking that it's all hackers with with hoodies and you know mm-hmm. everybody's got to be a deep coder, I think that's that's a bigger issue to to our industry is is helping people to understand what it is and and that it's you know it doesn't you, you don't have to be hands on keyboard you know, a mm-hmm. Rust developer to to get your entry level position. Uh, I think you, Paul and, and, and Jason, you hit on the it's the, the soft skills that desire to to be learned to have, to want to work in a very dynamic environment. Uh, willing to put in the hours to to learn what you don't know today, but showing that in an interview is it can be difficult, right? Yeah. Is ha- because everybody can say the right things, but so I think you know the certifications can be one way of helping people to at least show that hey, I, I don't have uh, even money for community college, but I do have the money and and at least show the time and effort. Uh, to do the certifications and and there's a lot of free uh, programs out there too, um, which are also ways to at least you know show initiative, uh, which I think is a, is a big part of it. But I guess for for both of you guys, how do you take you know when you, when you're getting resumes, uh, how do how do you how, how do we find this? How do we develop? How do we see the soft skills? On pieces of paper, or you know, not even piece of paper anymore. On you know, on resumes that we look at to try to try to get help people get into our field. Well, I can tell you what gets cut off is English and spelling and grammar mistakes. Immediately, right, right off the bat, I will not hire if you have spelling and grammar mistakes, unless it's it's a it's obvious it's ESL. So that's probably a tough topic. But I'll look to HR to be like, is this ESL situation or is it? And they'll be like, no, this is unfortunately just this you may want to say what that spell or is, Jason. English is a second language. Yeah. So if English is a second language is an issue. So I have a my entire team actually at where I work now is in India. So there is, you know, there is it is a it is a it's a very high level second language for them. But it's second language. I mean, they're very mm-hmm. fluent, but you still find yeah. grammatical and spelling errors. So I think maybe 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 I I want to step that back and say it's it's changing where maybe it wouldn't be a definite flag, but I would work with HR to, to understand that 
but that basic communication skill, like if you don't have that and you can't tell the story in your resume, that's a problem for me. And that, yeah, that was even a, for an entry level, you don't need to go to the extent of telling a story and figure that out. Just, you know, follow the standards. What was your experience? Where'd you go? You know, did you go to school? Why are you even applying for this job? If that comes across, then I'm game. And I'll say it's more about it's the people. My thing is it's not the candidates that are already the problem. I don't think they need to change anything. I think it's the hiring managers and it's us that need to change. And like, stop this insane idea that an entry level needs to be somebody who's had, you know, years of experience doing something. They could have come out. I started, you said you were, uh, who was, you said the hairdresser example. I was a bartender till I got into tech. I was, you know, right. what does that have to do with tech? Nothing. Right. Well, I was good with people, which I can imagine a hairdresser would be really even better with people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Well, and the thing I look for is what, what in there, what's the story behind the story? Right. So when I say that. You know, it's it's easy just to list a whole bunch of bullet points like responsible for, et cetera, et cetera. But if I see somebody who, you know, I, I have a podcast, right? Or um, I, I, I did four CTFs and came in third place, right? Or, you know, something that tells me that they're more than just wanting to show up, um, that they actually want to take the next steps. I look for those little tidbits in resumes and usually that's in the narrative portion, right? When you get down mm. to the bullet portions, it's, it's, there's, it's just a bunch of, um, you know, tic- typically technical stuff, um, and whatnot. But if I see something that says, okay, I, I was a bartender. Let's use Jason's example. I was a bartender for four years, but during that four years, um, I also did, um, eight CTFs. I had no idea where to start, right? But I, I did it, right? That to me, shows a lot of um, initiative and, and that's somebody that's interesting that I want to talk to. And I was just wondering, cause you, uh, I think Jason, you mentioned HR giving you the applications is HR doing us a disservice. <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 How much again, time do we have? We're yeah. getting close to our time. Cause that could, that could be a whole nother episode about right. the, dis- the disconnect between internal recruiting and what a security role needs. Cause sometimes it's not, it's not us driving that, how many years of experience? It's their job leveling that or, they have. The you, know, you may have a yeah, right? you may have a SOC one engineer that across the organization is at a certain level, and for that organization, the level is you need to have a college degree because that's just what we pay, and they're, they're based right. on pay bands, not what the field is or that position. I've seen that, right. and absolutely yeah. can be that internal recruiting is has a misalignment, and the organizational leveling has a misalignment with what it really takes to be that role. And they're pushing the, well, you got to have a degree because this person over here that gets paid this much is on the same level or actually probably gets maybe get paid less because security is a high paying field and they need a college degree. So therefore, you need to have a college degree for your role. So I've seen that, too. And it's frustrating. How about you, Gene? Oh, I was was actually going to push back to you. What's your thoughts? So for, for us, I mean, we're, we're a smaller company. So 50 people, we don't have a formal HR person um, that is uh, you know, going through all the resumes. So the hiring managers are doing it themselves, uh, which allows for the candidates to, you know, to as best you can in a resume and a cover letter or you know, to project themselves. Um, so the, the college education piece of it um, can be slightly less important and, and we can, you know, we're, we're interviewing sometimes it's through, I put down, you know, the reason to go to college is through the network, but I just think in general network, right? Because I think that's the other way to get into this field uh, is to have people that are within your network, help you get introduced to people, you know, like both of you gentlemen to say, look, I, you know, 
I was a bartender, but here's the things I've done. Here's the things I desire to do. So the, the HR piece of it uh, isn't a big impediment uh, for somebody trying to get into our organization um, because we don't have that formal uh, piece. I'm thinking about the college education. I, I probably is. I haven't looked at any of the job specs lately, but there probably are requirements that we should probably reevaluate in some of them. Uh, some of the positions that probably it doesn't need to be as stringent as it has been. Yeah. And I mean, for us, one thing that I like about where I am is um, DE&I, diversity, equity, inclusion is very important. And part of that is to have our HR, our HRs are part, our HR partners are with us on that, helping us understand, okay, where do we, where do we make sure to expose our jobs to places that may not have been exposed to so that you get those diverse um, people? But part of that um, is looking and getting people within our organization to look at some of our job requirements and say, hey, does this does the way we word things even prevent people from going in? Right. And mm. something that I learned, um, you know, I was reading uh, some social media posts and somebody said, hey, if you put that you have a requirement that people have to lift 20 pounds you know, you may be limiting people who have physical disabilities from even applying to your job, right? Because if they see that, they think you're not even open yeah. to considering them. And it's like, whoa, okay, you got to, and are using certain words, right? Makes it seem like, hey, this is, you know, that we want, um, you know, certain things and, and you don't even intend to do that. So having other people look at your job, um, your, your job um, requisitions and descriptions are really important as well. Hmm. Yeah, here, here. All right. Well, this has been a great conversation. Let's uh, let's go around the table and just uh, let's everybody sum up where they think they're at. And let's start with Paul. Um, well, I think everyone 100% agrees with my statements that college education is not required. Um, and I, I can't wait for Jason to hear his comment. But, you know, the thing I the thing <laughs> I'm I, agreeing I, with it. Okay, you should. Hearing, the thing I'm hearing from my, you know, my other co-hosts are, you know, there's there's lots of different avenues into security. And the way I think about it and what I've taken away from this is, you know, that it's it's just a piece of information right? College degrees, certifications, and so forth. It's a piece of information that may not tell the whole story of the individual. So you have to be open to considering other aspects. And you know, I, 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 you know, when I first started, I, I, college degrees were really important, what I thought they were very important. But now that I've been in the field a while, I, you know, I, I agree with my, my co-host. It's just a piece of information. Gene, I thought, what are you next? Yeah, I think about it in terms of just a, it's a, it's a journey um, I don't think it is a requirement um, for most um, jobs within cybersecurity today, um, but it has a lot to do with the supply and demand. The fact that we have three and a half million positions open worldwide um, says companies like all of ours are willing to be more open. Uh, if we suddenly have a situation where there's you know, not, not such a gap or disparity between the number of positions that are open, um, I think that that requirement could fall back you know, into place. I think the most important thing, if you really want to get into cybersecurity, is to be a learned person. And whether that's with or without a college education, you have to have a desire to learn because the tax keep changing, the technology keeps changing, the environments in which we, we're trying to protect, um, it keeps changing. So you can't expect to come and do the same job day in and day out. And if that's what you're looking for, cyber isn't for you. But if you're looking for something that's very dynamic, that you want to continuously 
press yourself to learn new capabilities and new and, and, and then then that's it's a great environment and i think along the way getting a college education to complement those other skills and if you want to move up into management uh, those will be, be uh, become requirements so so not necessarily do you need it day one but i think you need it you'll need it if you want to move into upper management yeah i agree and i think if you if you don't even if you don't have it when you start uh, learning it as you go along, even if you don't get the final certificate or the, you know, the, the final piece of paper per se, um, the process is what's important. And I think, Gene, that's what you're, you're right. And I 100% right. The process of learning, continuous improvement, taking different views and understanding them is really um, what's key. So, well, um, you know, I really appreciate, um, you know, Jason, I really appreciate the opportunity to have this joint podcast with you. Uh, good conversation. And, you know, it, it, you know I, I picked up a lot. I appreciate the perspective of someone in your role. And, you know, and, you know, as a closing, what would be the one thing, because um, in, in your role, I think a lot of people want to hear what you have to say on this. What's the what's the piece of advice you'd give to an applicant um, or somebody who's looking to break into the field? What's that final piece of takeaway that you'd give them? I think it's uh, just yeah, what would final final you know is what's your final answer on that (laughs) i mean ultimate would be you know that it's well you can't teach um you know passion and Mm -hmm. and energy or you know commitment those those types of intangibles like you can teach somebody cybersecurity, but you can't teach somebody the the desire to want to you know be a be a part of the industry I think that's that's what people have to kind of go through. It's like if if you if you, first you, for many people, especially for the listener my podcast, they just don't know anything about cyber. So first is learning about cyber, but then as you learn it, if you can build a real passion for it, it's an unbelievable field to be a part of. Totally agree, Jason. What's your thoughts? Mine is more of a tip. So I, I I think like we all kind of agree and disagree in our own little ways, but you know I, I probably have one tip for anyone trying to break into cybersecurity. It's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, we as hirers are not doing a good job. Uh, give us time, we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, if you're an entry level, or you're trying to get an entry level position. <laughs> Do do some sneaky stuff and go find the LinkedIn uh, contact of the person, either the hiring manager or even above the hiring manager, like the CISO, the head of their cybersecurity program. LinkedIn it, Google it, find that person, send them an email, send them a LinkedIn and tell the human side of your story of why you want that role. Not the tech. Don't go into the, oh, and I did this with CTF. I just go, hey, I'm trying to break in. I have this experience. I think I'm a, you know, the the story. Like, why why would you be a great asset? Because I have drive. I have passion. I really want to get into security. I think it's great. And I'd make a great employee. Just tell that human and, you know, go outside of the normal chain of resume and wait for contact. Because honestly, you're you're probably not going to float to the top if you don't have right now in today's world, unless you have that degree or that certification or that experience. So float yourself to the top by telling a story. That's, that's great advice. advice. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, Paul and Jason. This was a, a great uh, joint podcast. I'm really glad we did it. And thank you guys for your interesting perspectives. And uh, and thank you for letting me talk. I know that both of you guys go back and forth. So I was a little worried <laughs> coming in here. I was to be able to wedge myself in because you guys have some great banter back and forth. Listen to your other podcasts. So I'll definitely encourage my uh, listeners to uh, to jump over to your podcast as well. You did great, Gene, and we're going to move over to yours. And can I also just say, um, if you, I wanted to highlight this on my on our podcast, was you would you would you had brought up something when we first talked to you, which I just think 
I want to call out on our podcast oh, is yeah. the goal that you had about getting 30 people jobs. Yeah. Can you, can you, can you share that with our listeners? Yeah. Um, I think it's amazing. Every year I write down a goal of trying to help 30 people find jobs and that's not including anybody that I hire. They don't get counted. Uh, but it's just when somebody does a cold outreach or somebody makes an introduction and says, Hey, my son or daughter or my friends trying to get into cybersecurity um, I, I'd make it my job to try to get that person a job. And, uh, that's, that's a goal every year. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty close to that achieving is, 30 that is, that's amazing. That is amazing. Yeah. Cause it's so specific. It's, it's achievable. It's not like yeah. this general, oh, I'm just going to help people get jobs. You're like, no, nope, right. I'm going to help 30 people 30 get people. jobs this year. It's just, it's commendable, man. I wanted to, I'm yeah. glad that you shared that. Thank no, you. thanks. No, it's, we've, we've all got to give back. The industry has been great to yeah. us. Uh, I know for both of you guys as well. So. It's our opportunity to give back, and it just it takes a little bit of time, but uh, the reward's more than worth it. That's Paul awesome. and I need to do more with our lives. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know about I Paul, like, but I know I do. I feel Paul a little guilty okay. now like that I haven't helped. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, I got some work to do now. So, well, thank you. Now <laughs> I know I got what I'm going to do for the new year. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. so we, we just had Jesus Christ on our podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Step it up a little bit. Awesome, Gene. This has been awesome. Thank you so much for your time, man. Great. Thank you both. Thank you. Crossover of crossovers. Absolutely. It's the elephant in the room.